Hey everybody, welcome to the Five for Vibe podcast. My name is Panchito and as always, I'm joined by Mike. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good, man. I'm really happy to be here. Today is an exciting episode. We are wrapping up this time period, 1975 to 1980. That's right. It's the end of another five-year span. And this is the point in the show where we tally points from the previous episodes in the time span and we declare the winner for the time span. And guess who it is, Mike? Who is it, man? It's you. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. That means you get to share a story for the first half. And for the second half, we'll wrap it up by discussing all of the other stories all together from the time period itself. That sounds awesome, Panchito. All right, well, let's get into it right after this. Okay, listeners, it's time to get into the story for the first half. Mike is the winner, and Mike gets the privilege of sharing what he brought today. You ready for it, Mike? Yeah, I am. Thanks, Panchito. So what we have is an article from the Royal Gazette from July 22nd, 1975. Um, Where it comes from is actually out of Bermuda, specifically Hamilton, Bermuda. And this is how it goes. Erskine Eben and his brother Neville were killed almost exactly a year apart after being involved in a collision with the same taxi driven by the same driver carrying the same passenger. Both victims were 17 and both were riding the same auxiliary cycle on the same road. Erskine was killed on the night of July 18, 1975 near the Packwood home in Sandys. Neville died on July 30th, 1974, on the nearby stretch of Middle Road known as Hog Bay Level. Both were reported to have collided with a taxi driven by Willard Manders. According to their father, John Henry Eben of Woodlawn Road, Sandys, even the passenger in the taxi was the same in both instances. Whoa. So, both kids killed by the same taxi driver with the same passenger in the car on the same road. That's nuts. How is that coincidence? That's crazy. Okay, I hear three major changes. The location, the date, and the person who passed. But everything else, like the bike, right? the driver of the car, mm-hmm. the car itself. Exactly. The passenger in that car. Yes. And the fact that it was w- the anniversary of the previous accident. Um, well, one was July 18th and the other was July 30th. Oh, well, that's pretty close. That's pretty darn close, man. That's the the same month. That's crazy. I don't even know what the chances are of that, even on a small island. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's the complete opposite. Like, that's the kind of luck where normally you'd be like, wow, go buy a lottery ticket, right? But no, in this instance, don't. Like, everything bad. This is the You get the worst coincidences ever that happened to you. If I'm that guy's relative in any way, my, like I'm a cousin, I'm an uncle, or yeah. whatever, uh, I'm just not going to ride my bike anywhere on this island ever again. I'm right there with you, man. If we were related, I would just throw my bike away. Yeah, I'd say that's too close to me. Yeah. And the chances of it happening, I feel, have just gone way up. I'm walking now. Uh Uh-huh. Everywhere. Let's hoof it. And really attentively, too. Yeah, because you never know what's coming out. It's going to be like Final Destination. You know, that's not relaxing living in an island nation anymore, right? Time to leave. I mean, they might be, you know, having like sandy beaches and all that kind of stuff, but 
None of that would allow me to relax compared to the stress of knowing that something is after me and my family, right? Yeah, I mean, you lost your brother. Or cousin or Or cousin or, or someone, man, yeah. And then what if the what if it doesn't leave you and when you escape the island, it's still coming after you? Yeah, like it's a family curse type of thing or something like that? That's right. We can make a movie out of it. We could. But I feel like we've run into a lot of premises that we could make movies out of on the show. I'm not sure this is the strongest one. Five for Five really is a movie idea factory. I guess if you built it up, like you have the first accident start at the beginning of the movie, and then you sort of have everything happening after that up until the climax of the movie, which is the second accident. Right. That way it would work. That's crazy, though. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that it was these they're, they're related, these two brothers. That's insane. So usually when we talk about the stories like this, we end up talking about modern context. Right. Because this happened in 1975. Yeah. So this is way later now. Not that long ago. Right. But, you know, relative to us, right? This was a long time ago. Right. And I have to wonder if this could still happen or would happen because I don't know how much has changed on that island. Oh, I would wager that it could totally happen. But the chances would have to be a lot slimmer, right? I mean, oh, yeah. There's a lot more people. Straight up statistical anomaly. Uh huh. Yeah. It's much more populous. Yeah. Um, maybe some of the bike laws have changed or something. The roads have changed. Right. Because your probability of being able to replicate that actually goes down with more population. Adding more roads. Exactly. More taxis in general. Yeah, just like adding roadways, it just complicates things. I mean, it, it would just lowers your probability of being able to have that happen again. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Bermuda for a moment here. I mean, I don't know much about the place. I'll be honest. I've never vacationed there. But I think I could wager that not much really goes on there. Okay. This had to be like heavy news. Yeah, that's true. That's the other thing. Even if it did happen, uh, catching all those coincidences is a thing it's a, in and of itself, right? Yeah, I bet you it was freaking people out. But in this case, it was just like a detective saw that they were brothers and then kept digging. And before he knew it, a reporter got a hold of it. And they're just like, whoa. And they do like a Lincoln Kennedy coincidence list. Like somebody at some point had to ask if this was deliberate. Uh, you think there was interviews with the taxi driver? I certainly hope so, but yeah, I would think I would think there would be. So then, in modern context, do you think that we would spot the coincidences easier or with more difficulty? That's a really good question. I would say probably easier. I think it'd be easier for us. Why is that? Well, uh, in today's modern age, it's very easy for people to incriminate themselves because oftentimes they not know what they're doing on the internet as far as what footprints they leave. So it's very easy, especially in the court of law, when they want to fine or assume or in inject guilt into you, they can they can figure out a way to do it just by looking into you. And whether even if whether it's just or unjust, if they want to put you away, they'll do it. Oh. Oh, you're thinking that taxi driver in a modern context is dealing with a problem. Yeah. More so than that he's a part of the story, he kind of becomes the story. In a manner of speaking, yeah, because even if it was coincidental, there's a part of me that feels like someone would try to just be like, no, this guy's guilty. We got to figure out a way to put him away. See, in terms of the social role that this guy plays, the taxi driver and all yeah. of this, with not that much time passing by, it's a huge shift, right? Yeah. Because he really was in the original story just kind of a detail. Right. Something right. that added to the huh factor yeah. of the story, right? And the same passenger, remember? Yeah. And the same passenger. Yeah. See, now they try to put them in cahoots or something. Or right. They're saying they're working together. They're saying that they're, uh, that was maybe a planned thing or something. They're going to go online. They're going to find their Facebooks. They're going to figure out how they're linked together. Yeah. Because you're right. They're going to check social media and all of that while they're at it. So then what about the passenger? 
you think he's a different person because like that also lowers the chances the fact that it's a person riding in a cab that's there's less of that now right I want to know where this guy's going. This passenger, wherever it is that he's been needing to go, has taken two people. Oh, you're saying along the same route? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, from the old time story to, like, if you modern contexted it, I mean, would he really need to be traveling so much? He might be a different person altogether, right? He might be working from home. Yeah. Maybe he works out in the field or something and is driving a different way all the time. Right. And the industrial complex on the island might be different. Oh, entirely. Absolutely. So if the infrastructure is different, then that changes like the cab routes and all that kind of stuff. Right. Maybe it goes by where people aren't living anymore. It's true. Completely desolate areas. It's funny how time can just fight a story, huh? Yeah, it's insane how you can completely twist it just with a little bit of time. It's almost like the slowness of things, you know, that few years ago, it opens up a space for something like this to happen. Absolutely. It's, it's a huge open window for it. Well, speaking of windows, let's open up the window to the second half. Let's do it, man. Uh, This was, of course, a cool story, but I'm excited to talk about the whole time period. And uh, if you're into it, we can do it right after this. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 podcast with Panchito and Mike. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media, at Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. All right, everybody, we're back for the second half of the show, and we're going to get into talking about some of the cool stuff that we witnessed in researching this time period. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting five-year time span. 1975 to 1980 was the time span that we chose for this one, and I noticed that, as usual, we ran into technology stuff. We're always running into that. I don't know if it's because we both like technology or because you're obsessed with it, but it just keeps kind of showing up on our plate, doesn't it? I live in that world and I always seem to find a way to pull it any topic into it. So the big one was the video game one though, right? Yeah, that was a really interesting one, wasn't it? With Milton Bradley? Yeah, a little bit of short-sightedness, right? Uh, just a little though. Lots of psychology too. That tends to be the other theme. Yeah, you know, we were. I remember talking about how the fact that um, they hadn't really conceptualized the idea of selling the shooter game, or right. you know what I mean? Yeah, they seemed to only get that they had like a product right in front of them, and that that was the thing that they had to sell, sort of like a stack of blocks or something, or a cool picture on the front of a board game box, right? Yeah, it was a really a uh, basic approach. Uh, I think it was just really to do with the fact that they didn't understand that we would have whole stores dedicated to things like this in the mm. future. Yeah, they would definitely not a thought or anything close to it in their mind. Well, they sort of made it smaller than what it has turned into. I mean, not just from a fiscal sense, but a conceptual sense, right? Do you think it was done out of fear also to some degree? I just don't think that they felt they were at liberty or had the permission really to explore it yet. Remember we were talking about how for some folks it was regarded as a toy. Uh huh. I don't personally fall into that category, but it was just an interesting thing to think about uh, a video game console being regarded as a toy. Yeah. And I think there are times that we've come across technology that we let it fall into the toy arena. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's probably more so technology than, than it is toy. I can agree with that. Um, it's funny, though. Like you'll, I, I, I was thinking about on the drive home what my thoughts were on something like a Nintendo Switch. And I'm like, man, that thing looks like a toy. Like, do I still feel the same way? It sort of has that appeal, though, right? You're yeah. going for the younger audience. Oh, absolutely. See, that's something that they were missing, too, that they didn't understand that there was going to be a longevity mm-hmm. to the interests because the content of each game could change with the age of the user right it was evolve it could evolve yeah exactly again short-sighted i mean you can extrapolate it from the fact that they hadn't witnessed things like levels well that's true right so if they don't think of a game as having an achievement inside of the game then they can't visualize it with any sort of progression included in it or growth included in it yeah they can't abstract it Right. I could see that. Another cool story we talked about in this time period had to do with changing culture, not changing technology. You, you got to be talking about the Disco Inferno one. Yes, Disco. The Burn Baby Burn. Yeah, that was a good one. My favorite one of this five-year time span. So give me the summary on that one. So if I remember correctly, there was a DJ uh, at the end of a doubleheader. Right. Decides to... Uh, there was a, a riot, right? Or of some kind that was going on because... Comiskey Park. At, Right at Comiskey Park. Yeah, the outfield uh, stance. Right. But here's where my memory gets fuzzy. Did he throw the riot because of the fact that there was disco music playing? No, I think it was meant to be like a demonstration. Oh, okay. He filled a wooden crate with disco records. Yeah. And then exploded the crate in the outfield. There you go. That's a great that's a great demonstration, by the way. Yeah. Who approved that? I have no idea. It's all coming back to me now. I remember that I that I wish that a Billie Eilish would go on, on my crate. Yeah. I still stand by that. I I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. But he manages to set this thing ablaze. Yeah. And that is what starts the riot. People freak out. They're either anti-disco or pro-devastation. And they jump down into the outfield and they essentially ruin the outfield grass. That journey through history was expensive. And costly because they didn't even get to play the second game. Right. They completely destroyed the field. Yep. But Disco definitely took an L that day. Yeah, you know what? Disco, sometimes you can't win them all. We talked about there being other stuff that we would love to see go in there. And that's funny to me because some time has passed between, you know, now and that time period. But we still kind of find things to put in that crate and want to blow up, right? Oh, yeah, especially from stuff from today. Totally. And we had our example. It was the mumble rap. Mumble rap was a big one. But uh, Trippy Red. Yeah, Trippy Red uh, and Friends. (laughs) Okay, okay. I know we have no problem thinking of things that we could put in that crate to blow up. Yeah, definitely not. But the craziness in that story definitely was related to the riot, right? The violence. Exactly. There was a lot of wanton violence. But we had another story with a lot of violence in this time period. That's right. The snack food squabble. Yes, the potato chip vendors. Yeah, those guys were hating on each other. Well, you know, I think we kind of determined that the guys weren't so much hating on each other as much as they were caught in an epic battle. Mm. Yeah, there was something greater going on. That's true. It's a good and evil type of thing. Yeah, you know, my chip versus your chip. Yeah, Shakespearean. Yeah, but in the end, it was for our snack foods. Right, and for space. Yeah, it was a big deal. But we talked about advertising space, though, too. Yeah, because it, it, it turned into something much larger and something today that's way more invasive. And a bigger battle, almost. It's an everyday ongoing battle. 
it seems like a much bigger battle for what are physically smaller spaces, right? Yeah, little bits and pieces on your phone. And seconds. Yeah, little little pieces of your time. Ten Seven sec- seconds on your phone screen? It's worth some money, right? Well, apparently, yeah. Otherwise, there wouldn't be YouTube stars. Or as many apps as we have. Agreed. Some of those apps don't really do anything. No, a lot of them are pointless. But they're a good place to aggregate ads. Exactly. It gets a lot of eyeball. So you think that those conversations we had about the chip vendors fighting for space, do you think that it's the same kind of fight that companies are still having today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first internet ad was in 1994. But you're saying that even though the size and the scope and the type of attack and everything has changed, that the fighters haven't changed? Well, the fighters haven't changed, but the their methods of getting through to us have totally changed, man. Oh, I see. Like what they want yeah. is still us and our attention. Totally. They still want to get in front of us. Yeah, they're just a lot more tech savvy now. Right. So they've had to pick up a new way of doing what they do. Yeah. They just hired a bunch of guys to point them in the right direction. Is it inventiveness that makes those people winners now? Or yeah. fierceness? Both. Because the reason why I say both is because sometimes you have to be a company that's willing to go down a path that a lot of people may not necessarily see as a viable path. I'll give you an example. Snapchat. Snapchat, when it first came out, no one ever thought of it as a means of advertisement. Now, yeah, it's, I mean, not necessarily the best, in my opinion, but it is a means of advertisement. Major publications advertise on Snapchat. And the way that they do it is by way of their own little snippets and blogs. And so nowadays, something that would have been seen just a few years ago as maybe not necessarily the right thing to do is totally seen as something that's legitimate. And so that's where that boldness and that inventiveness comes in. Uh-huh. And then the next thing is you need to be savvy and you have to be aggressive. You have to be willing to go down that and say, this is the path I'm taking. And yes, I'm going to get eyeballs and I'm going to generate revenue out of it. And look, a lot of companies can do it. I feel like persistence is a lot more of the fight than it used to be. Yeah, I, I really think there's a, a lot of truth in that statement. Yeah, there's there's more value, I think, today in persistence and consistency than ever before. It's jab and move, jab and move. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Even if you're not that good at it in the beginning, what matters is if you just keep doing it. Yeah. Fail enough. Yeah. Fail enough. And eventually people will just remember who you are, you know? Yeah. It's crazy to think about. That's what's kind of cool about any creative endeavor that people get into. But I think the proof of that is go on YouTube. There's so many people who are like now that have like millions of viewers, millions of subscribers. And a lot of it is just because they've been doing it for like seven, eight years. That's interesting. In the 80s, 75 to 80, it was definitely about the biggest sign on the block, huh? Right, right. Now it's just about how consistently can I get in your face? Yeah, like it may not necessarily be uh, the thing that people want to see, but damn it, I'm going to keep making that thing and you're not going to forget me. Yeah, and they hit you with a jingle or a meme or something like that on top of it. Yeah. And then they get in there. They get in your head. Right. And next thing you know, money. Clicks at the very least. Right. Which for that person is money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for Google, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of a beautiful thing, we've come to the beautiful end of this beautiful show. And if you want, Mike, right after the break, we can let everybody know what time period we're going to use to round out the season. All right, man, I'm ready. Let's do it. This is Evita from Flying Blind Podcast. You're listening to the 5 for 5 podcast with Panchito and Mike.
All right, everybody, it is time to wrap up the episode. Mike, good discussion today. Yeah, that was a solid one. And it was a good, solid time period. Yeah, definitely one of my favorites. We are going to be moving on to the next one, though. Do you know what it is? I think we're going a little bit back in time. We are. Back to 1920 through 1925. Oh, man. The 20s were crazy. Yeah, there should be some good stories in there. Roaring 20s. I've got a few lined up, man. All right, cool. Well, hopefully everybody can join us for that. We're going to do a coin toss between now and the next episode to see who gets to go first. And we will see you then. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media. That's right, folks. That's Z-W-E-R-C Media. Mike, thanks a lot. Thanks, Machito. Peace out.